Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the twentieth of September. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 1 John chapter 4. We really could read the whole chapter, but we will will just confine ourselves to the two verses covered in the verse of the day. Those are verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So there's a lot of um, big theological claims here. There's the claim that God is love. There's the claim that not only God can be known, but there can be evidence in our lives of whether or not we know God, and that evidence is love. Anyone who does not love does not demonstrate a knowledge of God because God is love. Anyone who Loves is a child of God and knows God. A knowledge of God is possible. A knowledge of God is possible. One of the things that um, brought me up short when I was uh, considering what we might talk about in unpacking this verse today, or these verses, was the way John begins. And he starts with dear friends. Dear friends. Now let's remember who's writing this. This is John, the apostle the one who describes himself as uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is John, um, to whom Jesus entrusts the welfare of his mother as he's dying upon the cross. This is John. This is a friend of Jesus turning to us and saying, Dear friends. Dear friends. If we were to look back at the Gospel of John and um, read Jesus's um, teaching on the night that he was betrayed. So, so let's remember in context here. So, um, this is the night of the Last Supper, the night of the foot washing. So, between that event and what we know as you know the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then ultimately his arrest, um, betrayal, and arrest, and then on and on and on. Right. Um, between the Last Supper and the foot washing and the Garden of Gethsemane, they take this walk through the Kidron Valley. And it's during that walk that Jesus um, offers this teaching, which we know as the, you know, the vine and the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. It's in that discourse recorded by John in chapter 15 of his gospel, this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends and you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So when John writes, dear friends, in 1 John chapter 4, this is the kind of friendship he has in mind. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And John turns to us and says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Love is a gift. And anyone who loves can be recognized as a child of God. That is their identity. They also demonstrate that they know God. The love that we demonstrate to others in sacrificial ways, in the spirit of Christ, demonstrates that we know God. That's what Jesus says in the vine and the branches passage, and that's what John is reflecting here in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. I mean, following Christ's command, he might as well have said. This is my command, Jesus says, love each other. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is God's very nature. By my count, there are some two dozen times in the New Testament that we are commanded to love. And what God commands, God also provides everything necessary uh, to accomplish his will. So the God who is love gives himself to us in an act of love in order that we might in turn, by the power of his spirit, love as a manifestation of the spirit. And how will people know it? They will see our love for one another. By that fruit, we shall be known. So, dear friends, let us continue to one love one another and so fulfill the call of Christ. Let's continue our conversation together and unpack some of the headlines of the day. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. A new command I give you. Listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. And normally at this time, we're joined by Justin Gibbony, but Justin is serving on jury duty. Dun dun dun. I got to tell you, that would be fun to be on a jury with Justin Gibbony, would it not, Paul? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's I mean, quite, right? he's got quite the mind, a uh, legal mind. So it'd be just interesting talking to him after, you know, as we're deliberating. It'd be kind of cool. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, um, you know, jury duty. Have you been on jury duty, Paul? Have you ever been on jury duty? I have not, as of yet. Me either. How weird is that, right? Yeah. I have actually never even been summoned, I th- I, which I find quite surprising. You know, I'm I'm old, and I am certainly registered to vote, and I have a driver's license, which I think are, like, some of the reasons that they pick you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely. hmm So, for whatever reason, yeah, I'm being passed over for that opportunity. Might be fun, just saying, if you're listening right now, and, you know, I don't know, you influence that. I think it's random. Whatever. Um, one thing from the and campaign that I don't want you to miss out on just because Justin's not here. So if you go to and campaign, that's the word and a and d campaign.org, 
you're going to see there information about the Whole Life Project. And um, this is an effort for Christians to frame the abortion debate through biblical principles and not just partisanship or ideology. And so if you want to engage more fully in that conversation tomorrow evening at 530 East, so 430 Central, there's going to be a um, nationwide Zoom call for anybody interested in joining the Whole Life Movement um, so that we can be, you know, pro-woman and pro-child at this uh, stage of the game. So if you want more information about that or receive the Zoom link, just send an email to engage at andcampaign.org or just visit their website andcampaign.org and you can click on the link there as well. Paul sent me um, notes. I think he was worried that I wasn't going to have enough to talk about because um, uh, because Justin wasn't going to be here. So um, I have now been officially informed. It is National Fried Rice Day. Yum, yum. I like my I like my fried rice with shrimp. That would be my preferred fried rice. National Pepperoni Pizza Day. National Queso Day. National String Cheese Day. And so I just want to say it, it it it's it's like snack day. Look at that list, man. It's like crazy snack day. First of all, you can't eat queso without some sort of like other thing, right? I don't know. I'm just saying like you need a chip or a tortilla. All right. It's also National Voter Registration Day, which seems somewhat more important and the beginning of National Dog Week. So be celebrating those things. All right. Now, maybe some more serious headlines where we could bring the mind of Christ to bear. Everyone is aware of um, the migrant crisis at the southern border Um, The migrant crisis um, actually now extending throughout the United States of America. We're talking about literally millions of people this year who have um, arrived in the United States um, seeking asylum, some legally, many illegally. Um, And southern governors have been, um, as you may be well aware, putting migrants on buses and having them arrive in what are called sanctuary cities or sanctuary communities in the north. And so migrants from South America were provided information. This is the this is in relationship to um, migrants who were um, flown to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts by Florida Governor um, Ron DeSantis. They apparently at least some of them were given brochures that were promising um, eight months of cash assistance, employment services and housing assistance. Now, that is all based on refugee benefits. But these are not refugees. You know, if you've listened to this program very long, that refugee resettlement is a partnership between local agencies, um, states across the country, the United Nations, and organizations like, let's say, World Relief. But asylum seekers are not refugees. They don't have that formal status from the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. And so um, they're, they're here under a very different process and criteria. And so they don't have access to the same benefits that official refugees have access to. And so um, it's based on that, that, that it, you know, it, it's credibly being argued that at least some of them were, you know, like misled because they arrived and those things were not available to them because, well, in fact, they're not refugees. So um, lots of, you're going to hear lots of conversation about that. Here's what Matthew Sorens in an email said. Let's just encourage people to pray. Let's encourage people to pray that asylum seekers and other migrants who come seeking safety would find um, protection along the way um, and grace as they arrive. That the church would lead our nation in recognizing and affirming the dignity of all people, um, including these asylum seekers who, you know, frankly, are just 
terribly desperate individuals. For peace and justice in Venezuela, for peace and justice in Cuba, Nicaragua, Honduras, other countries from which people are fleeing so that individuals would not feel the need to leave their homelands under duress. Let's pray for governing authorities, mayors, governors, the president, Congress, that they too would recognize um, the image of God in each person and pursue policies that honor that image. Now, at the same time, um, Matthew and I would say to you, um, borders matter and laws matter and protections matter. And so no one's denying any of that. But we're also recognizing that there are now two million desperate people in our country um, and we must see them for what they are, image bearers of the living God. So I just want to celebrate what is happening on Martha's Vineyard through the ministry of a network of some very small churches. May not surprise you that the churches on Martha's Vineyard are, well, very small because it's a place that is um, very, very liberal. But I can tell you that um, uh, there are churches on Martha's Vineyard that have opened their doors. A little Episcopal church um, in Edgerton, Massachusetts, which is a popular island tourist destination, apparently, um, is housing, feeding, sheltering, and providing for um, 50 of the migrants who arrived there. I'm just saying, right, the church is stepping in to do her part And maybe this is an opportunity for the church and the ministry of Christians who recognize the dignity of every individual, regardless of their status in life, um, you know, to to rise up um, in communities like Martha's Vineyard. So we're going to return to our conversation and pray for each other in just a moment. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a Faith Radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus, well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a Faith Radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. I am a mountain Well, good morning again. I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you just joined us, this is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. We're surveying some of the headlines of the day and bringing the mind of Christ to bear. Sometimes we have conversations with others. That's sort of the normal pattern of things. But today we're just talking amongst ourselves. So here is the uh, headline related to the United Nations. So the UN is going to open today, first time in three years that there has been a meeting of the United Nations Um, in terms of the full body, uh, because of COVID. And so ahead of the opening of the UN, word is that the state of the world speech is going to be, in a word, sober. I mean, I think think that's good. I think sobriety is good. Um, The Associated Press says this, warning that the world is in, quote, great peril. The head of the United Nations says uh, leaders meeting in person for the first time in three years must tackle conflicts and climate catastrophes, increasing poverty and inequality, 
address divisions among major powers that have gotten worse since Russia invaded Ukraine. The secretary general in comments leading up to the meeting uh, described the task ahead of the U.N. as, quote, saving the planet. Now, if you um, listen to me on a regular basis, if you're if you and I have coffee together regularly, then, you know, that language like saving the planet is going to get my attention. And I am going to very quickly say um, we have a savior. His name is Jesus. And then to that, I'm going to add, unless and until the Lord is recognized for who he is, and until we rely upon him for the grace and love necessary for the living together in peace, human beings are not going to flourish. The earth itself is going to groan with eager longing for man's redemption. That is literally what the Bible says, that all creation groans with, le- with eager longing for man's redemption. And so in the UN speech, when you are hearing climate catastrophe, when you are hearing climate change, I want you to also hear the earth is groaning with eager longing for man's redemption. God is going to use everything under his power, which is everything, to bring people to an, uh, an awareness that he is and that he is God. And yes, he is good. The UN Secretary General um, thinks he's going to bring clarity to the moment by describing the world today as, quote, literally on fire. Now, it is not lost on me that that is also how God describes judgment. Literally on fire. You think I'm making more of that than uh, what is there? Well, let me encourage you to um, remember Malachi 4.1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Second Peter 3, the first 18 verses. This is now the second letter I am writing to you, beloved, In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they have from the beginning of creation. Peter says, they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water by the word of God, and that by means of these, um, by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. He's talking there about the flood in the days of Noah. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. It goes on and on there in uh, in 2 Peter 3. You might want to read that passage in its entirety. Um, What Peter encourages believers to do is be diligent, um, to count it as patience that God has not brought the earth uh, to utter destruction by fire. But it does occur to me on days like this when when the Secretary General of the United Nations is going to 
call for the salvation of the planet because it's literally on fire, it might be good for Christians to point to the Savior. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Even when it feels like my world is shaking, even when I've had all that I can take, I know you never let me go. Whoa. All right, one quick update on a story that we um, that we covered, and that is in, in relationship to Yeshiva University. You will recall that the Supreme Court sought to force them to recognize an LGBTQ group on their campus. Well, in response... Yeshiva University has um, abruptly suspended all student club activity. So everyone um, is is disallowed in order for them to be able to um, not allow an LGBTQ student group um, on campus. So the dispute stems, stems from a New York state court um, order requiring Yeshiva to grant full recognition to an LGBTQ plus club on campus. And Yeshiva um, said instead, as a religious institution, it cannot um, be forced to recognize something that's at odds with the university's religious mission. And so as the as America's oldest Jewish institution of higher education, um, Yeshiva is um, going to not allow any student groups on campus. There you go. That's one solution to uh, to the challenge or to the issue. Um, all right. We are going to talk with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. Uh, you, re- you will know him, uh, remember him as author of Hope Always, among other things. Um, we're going to talk about suicide prevention. September is Suicide Prevention Month. We started the month um, uh, in a conversation on this topic. We have touched on it throughout the month. We talked yesterday with Fernando Arroyo, about um, about suicide among former service members and um, ministries related to that. Today, we're going to have a wide-ranging conversation with Dr. Sleeth um, uh, about, you know, what's happening in the United States of America and what we as people of faith can do to offer hope. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Dr. Matthew Sleeth is back. Um, Reforesting Faith is one of uh, his books that has nothing to do with today's topic, but is certainly one of my favorites. I like it, Matthew, that you have wide-ranging interest and you bring the mind of Christ to bear um, just across every area of life. Uh, And so thank you. Thank you so much for being here today to talk with us again about suicide prevention and your book, Hope Always. It's great to be back with you and your listeners again. Yeah, if you guys go to MatthewSleethMD.com, MatthewSleethMD.com, the um, the Hope Always, How to Be a Force for Life in a Culture of Suicide study guide is available for download. Um, you can also access uh, the book and uh, and get a copy of the DVD as well. And so there you go, opportunities um, to engage more fully on this topic at MatthewSleethMD.com. Matthew, let's um, remind everyone during this September, uh, which is, you know, National Suicide Awareness Prevention Month. Um, Let's remind people of the problem of suicide. And as we talk about this, will you also weave in 
this sort of new challenge that we all face of physician-assisted suicide or death with dignity? Yes. Uh, the, the challenge is that during the coming 12 months, the next year, uh, 10 million Americans will uh, wrestle with whether or not to take their own lives. And one and a half million are going to end up being seen in emergency departments. And we lose about uh, 130 to 140 people a day to suicide in the United States. And, and it's a problem that um, uh, gets worse every year. It gets worse by about 2% has over the last couple of decades. And, um, and then there are... Uh, people who are despairing and they're not not counted in those statistics who die by overdose of drugs. And we had over 110,000, uh, quote, accidental overdoses last year. And, and if you or I or anyone else is is getting drugs off the street, it, it isn't dispensed by a pharmacist. You are playing Russian roulette with your life because of uh, what what is used in drugs to spice them up these days. So the problem is huge. It's growing. And then, as you mentioned, on top of this, there is a, um, uh, a, a number of people who are thinking that we should have the, quote, right um, to go to the doctor and be put to sleep, just as we would take a dog um, at the, um, you know, if they were... Um, uh, diseased or whatever, and have the dog put to sleep. And uh, when I became a physician, I was an atheist, but I still believed in Hippocratic medicine and the Hippocratic oath uh, you swear, and I did swear this with a, a few of us took it, our school didn't give it out, but that we would never uh, take a, a life through abortion, that we would never take a life through uh, assisted uh, suicide. And, and then when I became a Christian, I found that undergirded by, um, uh, by the Lord of the universe, the creator of life mm. uh, in, in the theology of the Bible. So um, there is uh, no biblical um, <clears throat> allowance uh, for, for suicide. Um, it, it isn't that God can't forgive it, but it is never, um, ever um, a godly path to take. I'm wondering when we talk about these suicide numbers here in the United States, um, uh, 10 million people will consider suicide, 1.5 million will attempt suicide, 50,000 will die by suicide, um, and nearly 100,000 more will die by overdose. Is that accidental overdose? Is that why that's separated out? It's separated out. It's because the those numbers used to be counted in suicides, but they've gotten so high, they took them and put them in another category as if to hide them. Mm, okay. So um, are assisted suicides included in these numbers or not? They are not included in those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I suspected. And so I thought I would ask, because I think that for Christians, you know, there there are multiple conversations um, that we're interested in having. And sometimes when we enter into these conversations, we're a little bit fearful. There's a lot of trepidation. We don't want to step on toes. I certainly don't want to cause more grief or pain um, in, you know, in a family that has walked through the, this particular valley of this particular shadow of death. Um, but I also think like we have got to be talking about this as communities of faith. We, we do. And 
my biggest fear is that if the church continues to uh, be quiet about this, that suicide will be normalized. And, uh, and as you said, the assisted suicide will just I- increase. And I'll give you an example of how suicide is being normalized. I wrote an editorial to my hometown paper. I live in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, the buckle of the Bible belt, some might say. And, um, uh, and, I, and I said that uh, at the end of my editorial op-ed piece, I said, society can continue to try and prevent suicide by doing more of what is not working. But I believe it's time to start allowing things like faith, God, love, and even the concept of suicide as a moral wrong back into our approach to suicide prevention. Now, does that sound controversial? Doesn't to me, but the op-ed editor said, just read the op-ed, the only problem is at the end where he brings up suicide as a moral wrong. That's an extremely complicated concept and they took it out. And so here in the Bible Belt, I can't even, in an opinion piece, I am not even allowed to have an opinion that suicide is possibly morally wrong. The problem with uh, suicide becoming uh, normalized is that when we normalize any sin, we automatically upgrade children to adults. And by that, I mean, when we decided that, you know, premarital sex was no sin, then every 11, 12-year-old had access to birth control without their parents' knowledge. That's the law of the land. And I cannot imagine, and I, and, and I have personally, as a senior resident, remember one day pleading with an 11-year-old girl to let me call her mother because she had just had a full-term child and um, the law of the land tied my hands. I had to have the permission of an 11-year-old. Um, and I cannot imagine the day, and it's coming at us like a steamroller, when an 11-year-old can go into the doctor and be demand to be put to sleep, and the doctor can't even call the parents. That's where we're going. We are, we're literally months away from that. All right. That's going to be shocking to people um, to hear But I also recognize that, you know, when we're having conversations about children being in a position to uh, demand um, cross-gender hormones to stop the progression, the natural progression of puberty, um, and for parents to not not of necessity be included in those conversations, um, for children to have access to um, surgeries that physically mutilate them and render them biologically unable to to function in the way that God designed, like all of those things are happening. And it, it, it's shocking. It's when you talk about a moral wrong, some of that, Matthew, feels like we've arrived at a, a place in our culture where um, we don't even know how to define what is morally right and wrong. I'm not, I'm not even sure we see a difference. I, I think that the Bible spells this out, and I can't, can't help but go to Isaiah, uh, and Isaiah lived in a time much like we are in now, um, where society had let loose of the anchor of God, and, and when that happens, light becomes dark, and dark becomes light, and evil becomes called good, and uh, because, frankly, you and I cannot come up with right or wrong on our own. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we have scripture. And and we are seeing the effects of letting go. Now, now I, I'm not into legislating Christianity. You can't make somebody believe in God. But we as people in the church need to get clear on what the Bible says about 
any topic. That's where we need to go. As you, you said, I, I write on a wide range of things. I have yet to come up with the topic that scripture doesn't give sound advice on what is right and what is wrong and what is moral and what is immoral. All right. So that's where we're going to come back to. We're going to come back to a biblical worldview of suicide. We're going to have uh, Dr. Matthew Sleeth unpack for us, um, you know, how we would approach this conversation as Christians in the world today. What is a biblical worldview of suicide? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. The book is Hope Always, resources available related to it at MatthewSleethMD.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. So speak life, speak life to the deadest, darkest night. Speak life, speak life when the sun won't shine and you don't know why. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. He's the author of Hope Always. We are absolutely pressing ourselves into the conversation about suicide awareness and prevention from a Christian and a biblical worldview. So, Dr. Sleeth, when we talk about a biblical worldview of suicide, um, we start with, you know, creation and life itself belongs to God. We as human beings are unique in um, in all of that. And actually, suicide is, um, I've learned this from you, suicide is one of the things that makes uh, humanity's uniqueness evident because animals don't kill themselves. People do. Absolutely not. There's There's never been a zebra that woke up one morning and said, I'm not running from the lion today. Uh, as as an, the animal part of us, and and we are physical, you know, beings, animals, and in a sense, um, we have all these built-in reflexes to defend and um, get away from danger, and and uh, and so God hardwired us to protect ourselves, and so we've got to go against the hardwiring. Uh, protection, but as you say, it, in we're and we're we're created beings by by the Lord. But that that scene in the Garden of Adam and Eve doing something that they were told would surely kill them in the day that they did it uh, is the big decision that we made uh, to walk away from God. And suicide is an enactment of that again. And Adam and Eve didn't do that on their own. Um, Satan was there giving him a shove. And the one thing I tell people every time I talk is if you ever hear a voice telling you that the world would be better off or you would be better off dead, that is not your voice. That is the voice of Satan. And mm-hmm. that's what he told Adam and Eve. That's what he was telling Job and trying to get Job to kill himself. That's what he was telling Jesus when he said, Jesus, go ahead and jump and, and see if it isn't better if you jump off a high tower. And so we have an enemy. We are, we are in a war between light and dark, between evil and, and um, good, and between life and death. And Jesus uh, 
uh, puts all of this battle into one phrase in John 10.10, that the thief comes to um, uh, steal and kill and destroy, and he came that we might have life. It's literally a matter of life and death. And um, when we let go of Jesus um, as a society, we're going to see the thief win. Yeah, this question about um, the voice in our head and and things that uh, people we may love very much, you know, voices that they're listening to. I think that is um, that's a conversation starter. That is a place that we can go in conversation with people we love. Um, like, you know, the the thing that you think that you're that you're hearing is not true. Like, that's a lie. That is a lie. You are loved. You are precious. Um, the Right. I mean, is that one of the ways we enter into this hope always conversation? I think it is. And I think, you know, it starts at a very early age. And I'm just going to have to give you a personal example. Our our family had a two and a half year old uh, uh, parachuted into it a couple of months ago, a foster child. Uh, in the first 24 hours, he uh, uh, bit my daughter, hit her headbutted her, kicked her, and threw something at her. He, he, and two months later, I love being with this, this little kid, but he's had a zillion timeouts, you know, and it starts by saying to children, I love you so much. I'm going to do the hard work of parenting. If that means, you know, it's the 10th timeout this hour, you do it, but always, I love you. Um, and, and, uh, we need to start early with children. We need to love them enough to give them boundaries, but always saying, um, that they are a created being. They're not a mistake of the universe and that God has a plan for them. Hmm. Talk with you us cannot, about, yeah, you can't say that too much to a child, by the way. No, you can't. Well, we actually, we can't say that too much to other people to I mean, each yesterday. Other. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, just reminding people that, that, you know, you are precious. I mean, right now, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, um, whatever the circumstances of your life, you know, if you feel unaccounted for, God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. Um, God has good works planned in advance that only you can do. He's got divine appointments for you to keep. Um, and And you are beloved of the Lord. And the world may be lying to you and trying to convince you otherwise, um, but you are precious and you are beloved. Like, we can't say that enough times. It's impossible. You're loved so much that a person who's perfect is willing to die for you. And, and that's the story of Christ on the cross. Um, and when that finally sinks in, wow. <laughs> you want to work for that person, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to live for them. Amen. Talk with us about offering hope. Um, talk with us about um, maybe, you know, how we press into these conversations with people um, about whom we're really concerned. Well, I think the first thing that a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, has to realize is we've got the answers. <laughs> and um, a, a Christian, by the way, a committed Christian is four to six times less likely to take their life than an atheist. Um, and so we, we do have hope to offer, and we are our brothers and sisters' keeper. And I think that um, a lot of times we're at church, and it's all about, you know, putting on a good face. Um, but 
but people are suffering and, and they're really suffering today. You know, it's a difficult time to raise children. It's a difficult time to be married, uh, be in a marriage, that sort of thing. And so we, we need to reach out to others and encourage them. Uh, if, if we suspect that they might be suicidal, we need to ask, are, are you thinking about harming yourself? Are you thinking about killing yourself? By the way, the, those questions will not increase the likelihood that somebody will take their own life. Um, they will decrease it because what somebody hears when they hear that question is, I care enough about you to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we need to be caring about each other more. I think we as Christians need to take better care of each other. Uh, Jesus said, they'll know your mind by your love for each other. Um, and he was talking about his followers in specific. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's all these practical things I have in my book. I think every church ought to have a ministry where if you've come to church and you're leaving and you don't have anybody to eat with, you do. <laughs> that somebody in that church, even if it's pizza, is there uh, to eat with you. Um, Christianity is not an academic exercise. Love is, is a verb, you know. And... Um, uh, so I think we need to ask those questions. I think we need to arm ourselves with the how to do this. And and uh, I've uh, got a toolkit and everything that you can download, uh, you know, off my website for free. Um, there, the 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 films on this are on uh, Right Now Media, and I've partnered with the Colson Center, and they have an entire course on on how to um, talk to people about suicide, how to prevent it. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll give a plug for that. It's courses.colsoncenter.org backspace hope always. Um, and, and so there's, uh, I'm happy to say that there's a growing number of Christian ministries I'm partnering with that are understanding that we not only need to do something about that, this, but when we do, we actually make a difference. We save lives. I love that. Courses.colsoncenter.org backslash hope always. Um, I will work that into the show notes today. If you um, come to MyFaithRadio.com later today, once the podcast is posted or um, wherever you get your podcast um, for this program, you will, in my show notes, have all the links that we discussed today with Matthew Sleeth, a direct link to his website, MatthewSleethMD.com, but also a direct link to um, the Colson Center course which I will be sure I have a really good link for that'll take you directly there. Um, What great resources. Thank you so much, Matthew, as always. Um, um, We just, we genuinely appreciate um, your willingness to come and talk with us and what you're doing each and every day to bring the mind of Christ to bear across such a wide, um, a wide category of things. Because as you say, you know, every time you turn to the Bible, it doesn't matter what we're thinking about, the Bible addresses it. So um, thank you so much for being real. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate you. All right, that's Dr. Matthew Sleeth. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, clean up on aisle four. Courses.colsoneducation.org backslash hope always. Courses.colsoneducation.org colsoneducation.org backslash hope always. I will fix it in the show notes. Um, It will be available to you. I will post it on my social media as well. You can follow me pretty much everywhere at Carmen LaBerge. Um, Do we really believe in second chances? That is going to be a conversation that I'm going to tee up for us to be thinking about 
1997, a 14-year-old um, stole a pistol and um, shot and killed students at a before-school prayer meeting. Uh, he's been in prison 25 years. He's eligible for probation. It begs the question, do we really believe in second chances? Do we re- really believe people change? Do we really believe in forgiveness? We're going to talk about that this week. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.